Welcome once again to The Ohio State of Mind, powered by Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio, alongside Tyler Danberg, I'm Caleb Spinner. We've got a great show for you, probably one of the shorter ones we've done, as we've got an important weekend to break down for you, but not a lot going on before we talked again on Friday. So we'll break down what we have to talk about, we'll preview what we have, and then we'll get you out of here. Before we get started, once again, as we always say now, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at StateOfMindOSU. Not every week is the same, not every weekend ends at the same time. So in order to make sure that you are listening to The Ohio State of Mind as soon as we release a new episode, check our Twitter account for accurate episode release times, and also to be notified for our Behind the Buckeye additional episodes that go out Saturdays at 10 when we get athletes in the studio. You guys were very responsive to the Caleb Romero interview. We thank you so much for hitting that up and giving us your feedback on that. It's always great to see you guys engage with our episodes. Speaking of engagement, too, for our Spotify listeners, our question of the day is at the end of this episode. Be sure you listen up until then. It'll be a good one for you talking about men's hockey and the Big Ten tournament. We'll get right into it now, a Friday-Saturday series, January 28th and 29th, between the number 3 Ohio State Buckeyes women's hockey program and the number 2 Minnesota Golden Gophers, the Buckeyes split. With Minnesota winning the first game 2-1 in overtime, a thriller that one was, and losing 5-3, a comeback that fell just short in Game 2. Liz Shepard scored a goal in each game. She had the game winner in overtime at 329 in the extra period. And Ohio State, they were down in Game 2, 4-1 entering the third period. Minnesota just answered in that second frame a flurry of shots, putting in four goals in that period. But then Ohio State scored two, and then it was the empty netter that sealed the fate for the Buckeyes. Rosenthal actually got in front when Teeley was pulled, a little bit of sidetrack here. But Teeley got pulled in the last bit of the third period for the Buckeyes, and it was wide open. It looked like Minnesota was going to have an easy second empty netter. But Gabby Rosenthal played goaltender and took one to the right shoulder. So she's got a little bit of black and blue on her there, but a great hustle play from Gabby Rosenthal. But what were your thoughts, Tyler? You were in the house for it, as was I. What were your thoughts on that series? Ohio State, they outplayed Minnesota. You can make the argument that they dominated them in three to four out of the six periods. And then, of course, that overtime in game one. I think that's totally the case. But... With that being said, the second period in Game 2 in which Minnesota responded with four unanswered goals, that was the anchor in that Game 2 and probably the anchor in that series. Northeastern, the number one team in the country, lost on Friday night. Ohio State took quick advantage, and I think we were all under the impression that Ohio State wins. If they do so, they're going to take over that top spot for the first time this year. They don't get the job done at that game, too, despite a valiant comeback. Effort came just a little bit short. You mentioned that Gabby Rosenthal crouch block. That saved the possible goal, and that saved the possible idea of a comeback, and that was still in place. But I think that overall, Ohio State played really well. Minnesota, they stood on their heads at times. They got outmanned in terms of shots especially in game two they were significantly outnumbered in putting the pucks on net but they were still able to hang in and get out on top at times they had leads they had chances and overall they made the most out of them I think Ohio State 
The shot selection, not there, but they put more shots. They had a higher volume. Succession rate was the key for Minnesota. They had less opportunities, less chances, but they made more of the opportunities that they were faced. I've said it multiple times, Tyler, when we talk about the wonderful sport of hockey. You can't score the puck unless you shoot the puck. Ohio State did. They had a pretty decent conversion rate when you look at how many times they shot versus how many times they scored. But again, just came up short in Game 2. Liz Shepard, as we talked about, had a great game. To a goal in each contest, and then that game winner in game one. But also, Sophie Jakes had 44 points off a three-point weekend, a goal, and two assists over the Friday-Saturday series. She's one shy now of the D-man record for Ohio State from 2007 to 8 of Tessa Bonham, and is seven points away from 100 in her career, sitting at 93 now. We talked about Cole McWard. I got a chance to speak with him before uh, on the Wednesday before the Buckeyes went up to uh, Michigan State and a, a defenseman for Ohio State. And we talked about the scoring, how important it is as a defenseman to score the puck. And he said, yeah, it's it's always crucial. You want defensemen who score the puck, but ultimately their, their number one responsibility is being on defense. Sophie Jakes seems to throw that out the window and says, you know what? I'll do both equally as well. And she doesn't necessarily play like a defender on the offensive end. But on the back check, when she is defending transition plays, counterattacks, or just the opponent getting into set, she's a really good defender. She plays outside of that position. She likes to make these small runs out of the defensive line. She'll go out to the offensive zone wing. She will wreak havoc. I think that's what sticks out to me is that she skates beyond her boundaries, and that is an essential quality for Ohio State, and I think that's something that makes Jake special, makes the team special, and that defensive unit so vital to the Buckeyes' whole progression. Switching over now to the men's team, number 12 Ohio State traveled down to State College, Pennsylvania for a series against Penn State on Friday the 28th and Saturday the 29th. Ohio State tied the first game 2-2, two to two, lost the shootout to Penn State to come away with one of the three possible points in that one for the Big Ten standings, but then came back in dynamic fashion, winning 6 to nothing on game two, an electric game to watch here. You and I were watching it back home on Big Ten Plus. Dobesh had 46 saves in game one, 51 saves in game two, that makes three straight career-high performances after the 40 goals he had in Game 2 of the Michigan State Series. And Ohio State, as I mentioned, earned one of three in the first game, earned all three with the win in Game 2. That puts them at four of six possible Big Ten points. Going to the Buckeyes, they now sit second in the conference with 37 behind Michigan, who blew out the Badgers in both nights and now sit atop the conference with 39 Five different Buckeyes scored in Game 2, Wise, Dunlap, Merkulov, Lorai, and Singleton. And this really goes back to something we've talked about, Tyler, how electric Ohio State's offense is, particularly when trailing, but now looking at how spread around the goal scoring is, there isn't really one scoring. Of course, there is a scoring leader. But when you look at, like, for basketball, EJ Liddell, it's clear that you, if you put your money on EJ Liddell, you'll hit the bet more often than not. With Ohio State, you could put your money on any one of those players any given night to be the leading goal scorer, and I think that's what makes Ohio State dangerous. When you're the opponent and you're preparing for a men's hockey team like Ohio State, who the heck do you look at? Who do you prepare for? They don't give you enough time. A week 
in-between series, give or take a couple days, is still not enough to dissect what Ohio State can do because they can throw in so many wrinkles. They can throw in so many different lines. And then everything becomes so cockamamie that Ohio State is so overpowering and spreading the scoring that can just throw you for a loop. Obviously, you have your Georgie Merkulov. He's the leading goal scorer. Mason Lorai is right up there in points. He's the distributor. He's one of the best assisting men, especially among defenders, in college hockey. That makes them special. There are a lot of Ohio State players that can just work it around and get points, score, help the team. You got 22, 23, 24 guys within this threshold that are capable of scoring. Oh, as they spread it around, that's a key determining quality in what a team can offer. And that is the anchoring reason, in my opinion, Caleb, for Ohio State's unpredictable rise. I don't think anybody saw this or anticipated what was going to happen except this Buckeyes team. They believed that they're speaking it into existence, manifesting, some might say, and they're putting together an unlikely, yet likely season, and I think it's the scoring and the spread out type of scoring that is accounting for it. Yeah, Ohio State fans now growing more and more to expect greatness from their Buckeyes program, as they should. We've talked about the depth in this roster multiple times. We just did a bit there. But here's really what I'm looking at as a positive over these last two road series. As we get closer to tournament time, you're going to find yourself playing on at least neutral locations, if not hostile ice, to put it generally, not your home arena. So to see that Ohio State is performing well, winning three of those four and then tying the other one on not their ice is really indicative of something that Ohio State does, and they just go out and play. They don't need a home ice advantage. They love when they have it, but that's not something that makes them tick. They're just a great team no matter where they're playing. We talked about this on the last episode, Caleb. Pagula Ice Arena is notorious for where good teams, no matter how good you are, they go to die. It's a great home environment. And the Buckeyes, they're able to go 1-0-1 and have that bounce-back 6-0 win in Game 2 against a strong Nittany Lions squad, albeit maybe not in the record, at least conference record-wise. But it doesn't matter when you've got an electric environment. Now switching over to another road game, the last one that we have to recap from a packed weekend. Number 16 men's basketball against number 6 Purdue. I don't necessarily mean packed weekend, rather. I should say entertaining weekend. This one did not disappoint. Sunday, January 30th at noon, the Buckeyes lost a heartbreaker to the Boilermakers at Mackey Arena, 81-78. to I don't know if you watched that, but just going down, Ohio State down 20 at, at one point, able to claw their way back, fighting, 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 and then just Jaden Ivey sucked the air right out of the Buckeyes. Ohio State cannot be faulted by that. And I was talking with some of our Ohio State fans around here uh, some of our classmates, and they were disappointed, rightfully so. It's oh, it's a tough loss for Ohio State. But what else could Ohio State have done? They fought back. They got it to even at 78. They put up a heck of a defensive showcase in that last shot, forcing a low percentage look. Just Jaden Ivey hit it. I'm not sure what else you could argue for Ohio State. They just weren't the better team that night. Malachi Branham was just inches away from getting his fingertips on the basketball and Props to Jaden Ivey for not just that shot, but an entirely played great game. He came off the bench, too, and he's a Naismith National Player of the Year midway 
finalist. He's on that watch list. But like you said, they had no business being in this game. They're down 14 with just under seven minutes to play. They've been in foul trouble the entire game. They're down in size already because they're significantly outmatched in terms of height. And by the way, Zed Key, one of the high-octane power guys, although he's undersized, he's a guy that can get through and slash through some of the biggest in the country. Look at that Duke game, for example. Wisconsin, another pivotal example of his thrashing-type play. Even his opener against Akron. Yes. I mean, he really came up with that buzzer beater. But anyways... He picked up two fouls within the first couple minutes of the game. He played 12 minutes altogether. And when you go down guys, when you're not at full strength going up against Travion Williams and Zach Eady, these two powerful guys in the front court, you're already down at a disadvantage. And for Ohio State to claw back and fight, that was critical. Caleb, college basketball, for those who follow, for those who don't follow, it's easy to pick up on the fact that there are just some games during a season that make you think a certain team belongs. Belongs in the NCAA tournament, despite how unpredictable that tournament is. Look at last year, for example. Number 15, Oral Roberts over number 2, Ohio State. Tale as old as time, the upsets are the king. But there are a couple games during a regular season that prove that a team belongs. I think Ohio State had just that. The Duke game, that first game against Wisconsin, two examples. But how about this one? They fall at the buzzer during a Sunday afternoon in one of the most hostile arenas in college basketball. Heck, you can make the argument in all of sports. And they were able to prove to everybody that they were resilient, they were perseverant, and that overall they belong in the picture when it comes to making a tournament run in March. Yeah, like I said, you can't be disappointed in what Ohio State did late, especially. They were able to get themselves back in it after being down nine at the half, able to fight their way back through that 14-point deficit, as you said. I thought it was it was a more severe gap at one point. Perhaps I'm wrong here, but either way, to come back and have a shot at winning that, or at least forcing overtime against a great Purdue team, one that outmatches you in height in almost every facet uh, every position on the team. It's just incredible there. Malachi Branham, EJ Liddell were the leading scorers with 20 points apiece. Branham also had seven boards. Ohio State, they, they they lost the paint battle, as we talked about. The last thing I have from this game, 42 to 30 uh, points in the paint. But when you look at the 7-4 Zach Eady, who we talked about as uh, somebody you, that the Buckeyes had to have circle squared tap dance and their game plan is who to stop, they allowed 20 points, but they kept him to three boards. Now, Purdue made up that rebounding gap uh, in other areas, having guys come in. Mason Gillis had 11, but the point being, Ohio State, they didn't stop the scoring, but they stopped the rebounding from the big man. That's got to be you know a small victory to come away with. And I think one guy on the Ohio State side that was a primary reason for Edie getting stymied on the glass was Joey Brunk. I want to highlight Joey Brunk. You look at his stat line, four points, three rebounds, and two blocks. Those two blocks were big. He did, however, play just under 13 minutes. That's one of the highest amounts of playing time in his 2021-22 campaign. But I think that this game for Joey Brunk was the one he had hoped to get the most out of. And they were talking about this on the CBS broadcast, Spiro Ditas, the great, legendary Bill Raftery. They were talking about the fact that Joey Brunk 
he's had a lot of experience, well, experience altogether, but he's had a lot of experience against Purdue. Playing at Butler, he played a couple non-conference games against the Boilermakers, but he played a ton for Indiana when he was there for a couple years. He played Purdue a lot, and I think that experience comes into play when you know what these players are going to bring. Purdue, they're veterans. They're veterans. They return a lot of guys, so Joey Brunk knows what's at stake with a couple games every year at least played against Purdue, and he knows what they need, Ohio State does, to get out in front of Purdue. He knows the tendencies for the front quarters for Purdue. They know what they're going to bring to the table, and he exposed that. He logged crucial, crucial minutes, and given the fact that Ohio State, we talked about the fact that they were in foul trouble for a lot of this game, Joey Brunk relieved a lot of that stress because he adds that height, he's tallest on the team, and Brunk came out, he showed, he delivered. Deserves all the credit you gave him for his performance against Purdue. Certainly stepped up into the role he was asked to fill. Taking a look now at our week from Monday to Thursday before we see you again on Friday. We've got two basketball games, and they're both against the same opponent, wouldn't you have it? Later today, Monday the 31st at 9 p.m., number 22 Ohio State women's basketball travels to Iowa to take on the number 23 Hawkeyes. You can watch that one on Big Ten Network. Iowa sophomore Caitlin Clark, one of the nation's best guards. We talked about that matchup already of Mike Sell slash Sheldon against Clark. This is going to be a heck of a duel there in the backcourt. It is. And how about Ohio State? They go, Caleb. One game they're playing a National Player of the Year candidate, Nas Hillman from Michigan. And then a couple days later, they go to Iowa City and they play Caitlin Clark. She's averaging over 25.5 points per contest, 8.5 rebounds per game, and 8.1 assists per matchup, which is just one of the more all-around stat lines in college hoops men's or women's aside. They also have Monica Zanano. She's averaging over 20 points per game. So they've got scorers, and they've got defenders just on both sides of the, of the ball. Iowa's complete. You look at their first three, four players, you know what they're going to bring. They're going to bring some offense. They're going to bring some defense to the table. And I think Ohio State, this backcourt, needs to prove themselves even more. They've done a great job in doing that. Mike Sell, Sheldon, and beyond. But I think this is going to be one of those games where you're going to need a good clip of shooting from the field to be victorious against the Hawkeyes. No doubt an exciting matchup going to take place there between Iowa and Ohio State. The other one that we have is number 16 Ohio State men's basketball hosting Iowa in Columbus Thursday, February 3rd at 8 p.m. You can watch that on FS1 and listen on Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. Iowa 14-6. and six. They're 4-5 and five in the conference, and they have a game at Penn State on Monday to try to bring that conference record to 500. Ohio State, a better record in the conference, but this is going to be one of those games, Tyler, going deeper into this conference schedule that Ohio State has to secure to get themselves in better positioning for the Big Ten tournament. This is a huge one. Caleb, and it's always a pleasure when these two teams square off. Iowa, they're depleted when you look at their roster this year compared to last year, but they've got Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray and EJ Liddell, that's going to be a fascinating matchup. Iowa, they currently rank 22nd in the country in NCAA net efficiency. So they're a top 25 team completely, 
at least when you look at the analytics. I mean, they're a team that is highly respected in terms of numbers. So Iowa State, another team that's favored by those metrics, they're going to have their work cut out for them with Fran McCaffrey's squad. Once again, make sure you're following the Ohio State of Mind on Twitter at State of Mind OSU. The link to our account is in the description below. For those of you who listen on Spotify, your question of the day for men's hockey, what percentage chance does Ohio State have at winning the 2022 Big Ten Championship? They're currently sitting at second in the conference at 37 points behind Michigan with 39, as we mentioned earlier. But what do you think if they have to play one of these top four Big Ten teams again? Do they have a chance at winning again and then going on in the tournament? Let us know your thoughts below here on Spotify and those of you who listen to SoundCloud. Go over to Spotify to answer these questions. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you guys again on Friday for Tyler Danberg. I'm Caleb Spinner. That's the show. We're out of here.